So hi, Kate. Um, Hello. This is the Spoonies with Purpose podcast. Yeah. And I'd just like to say a little bit about what the podcast is about. It's about people with chronic illness finding their purpose and how they find it. And that's what we're going to be talking to Kate about today. But first, Kate, tell us a little bit about who you are. Perhaps you could introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, My name is Kate or Catherine Itassi, and I am a retired slash disabled lawyer, um, an advocate for those with chronic illness, uh, rare diseases, type one diabetics, (laughs) and uh, uh, civil liberties issues in the United States. And I'm a former track athlete. I'm a memoirist. And uh, yeah. Wow. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, welcome. It's really nice to have you here. Thank you. It's an honor. I really, I'm really enjoying the podcast episodes. Great. Thank you. So can you tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about your experience of living with chronic illness? Sure. Um, so I, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was four in 1988. And so I've had that Ooh, for almost for over 34 years. Um, I was born with a lipoma on the small of my back and that wrapped around my spinal cord when I was four, they removed it and I was fine. I did division one athletics in college. I was powerlifting and 10 years after I stopped all that, the tumor remnant regrew and it went misdiagnosed for two years and was pulling on my spine in the meantime and caused a plethora of other neurological deficits and disorders. And when they took it out, uh, hopefully they staved off paralysis, which I'm very thankful for, but the rest of it was um, permanent. And so around that time is when I developed ME-CFS and had to retire at 33 and figure out what my new purpose in life was going to be. Yeah. And then eventually I I stumbled upon your wonderful group and uh, have been questioning my purpose in life uh, even more in depth than before, which I I really appreciate. Well, we'll talk about a, a little bit more about that right now, I think. So Tell me what purpose means to you at the moment or what, where you're at with the idea of purpose. Mm, that's the latter part of that is, <laughs> is very intriguing to me. Uh, I really appreciate what Dr. Dinsdale said on your earlier episode, that there's a difference between purpose and productivity. And as you well know, I have struggled with my purpose no longer being about productivity from about 14 to when I retired at 33, my entire being was about how productive I could be, how much success in whatever endeavor I was doing, I could have um, just being the best I could be at whatever I put myself into. And uh, a lot of it was about my value as it related to other people. Very, 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 little about what value I brought to myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. or, or what my value or purpose was in just being 
without being productive. And so since uh, I retired over five years ago, it's really been about, first of all, loving and accepting that I am of value and of worthy of love and self-love and compassion as any other person. Uh, and yes. I never would have thought that any other disabled person or chronically ill person was undeserving just because they weren't being productive. But for some reason that didn't apply to me. Yeah, I think and that's so, a very common thing. So my purpose since retiring slash delving into disabled life has first of all been to grieve my past life, yeah. um, to appreciate my own self-worth and self-value just as a person. Um, but also it's, you know, I, I'm still trying to be productive. <laughs> and so I wrote a memoir about my experiences. I became even more of an advocate uh, than I was in the past, uh, splicing off from being a legal advocate to just being a person conveying her personal story. Um, and so I've really tried to be just another voice in the world, just another example of what I've gone through, the struggles and the success and being a sounding board for others. And that's what's really given me purpose so far. So that raising awareness and, and being there for, for other people to have a voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love how you started that with all the self-acceptance and self-compassion coming first. In a journey. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's, it's also such an important message. For many people, they're still on that journey. And it doesn't matter where you are on the journey if you're on it. <laughs> yes. And, so it, and, and you're never really, I don't think, at least in my experience in the last five years, you're never done with it. No. So, and you might kind of put it off to the side for a bit of time and then come back to it uh, and, and be on a different place in the journey. But it's really important to keep touching base with that and seeing where you're at and seeing how you can improve and what you can do to maybe push yourself a little farther along. It. Yeah, fabulous. So have you got any tips for how you actually balance your purpose, finding your purpose and living with chronic illness, taking the best care of yourself that you can? Well, I think that when that productivity purpose still creeps back in, it's about me being okay with not being able to be productive at any point in time in any day or week or month. As an example, I really uh, I went, underwent a, a pretty major wrist surgery on my dominant hand uh, two months ago and moved into an apartment uh, two and a half months ago. So most of my other um, pursuits, other than existing and taking care of myself and contributing to the apartment as much as I can, have really kind of gone on the back burner yeah. and I've had to be okay with that. Yeah. And that's been tough. And I, I do still struggle with feeling guilty or feeling unproductive or feeling like others will view me as being lazy or withdrawn. 
whatever the case is, but I've had to just say, you know what, I, maybe this six month period or a year period is me kind of laying dormant in, in the pursuits that I had done and that's okay. And, and I would understand and want anyone else in my position to be doing that same thing and not pushing themselves. Yeah. I picked up a sense that we have these urges, don't we, to be productive. And we have these values about what productivity means. And it can be quite easily easy to think, oh, for somebody else who's who's living with chronic illness, I'd want them to take the best care of, of themselves. And you can want that for yourself as well, but you still get the urge to, to be productive. And it's almost like the old programming that we need to follow because we're programmed about what makes us successful in life and it sounds like you've been quite good at noticing that programming when it's coming up and sometimes struggling but choosing to let go yes and I and I certainly have better occasions than others um I'm not always good at it I sometimes have to have friends or family remind me of it first and me being receptive to it, to, to do the self-reflection and say, you know what, you're right. Uh, those patterns are creeping back in, but honestly, I mean, I've only been focused on my chronic illnesses as a, I, I consider myself a professional patient for the last five, six years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've, I've had decades before that of that programming. And, it, yeah. and as you said, it's more about what you're telling yourself versus what anyone else is telling you. And so my parents taught me to work hard, but they never would have told me to work hard at the sacrifice of my own health or well-being. Yeah. I consume that. I developed that. That's my own yeah. uh, pattern that I have to deprogram, you know, yeah. more often than not. Yeah. And, and that's where the work is really, isn't it? Catching it and rem reminding ourselves that this isn't the programming we want to follow right now. Right. And practice does make it easier. I can yeah. say that. Yeah. The yeah. more you do it, the easier it is to kind of recognize it and then let it go away. Yeah. So is there anything else you'd like to say about balance before we move on to what you have as your purpose now? Yeah, I discussed it with you in group before, and I know it's an established phenomenon of having the sensation of when you do have a good day, try and cram everything in <laughs> that you hadn't been able to get in for the last you know week, month, whatever. And then that creating more fatigue and a downward cycle. So I think it is important as you and I have talked about to establish some sort of pattern in itself of here's this block of time. I'm going to assign myself to do these things, whatever I can get done in that time. Fantastic. Even if that is caught up by periods of downtime. So doing 20 minutes of productive things and then 10 minutes of relaxation, whatever your pattern is going to be, it makes it a little bit easier 
and sure you might have a day where you have more energy and feel like you can get more things done, but it helps kind of level out those periods of, of highs and lows, yeah. high energy, low energy. So when you know what your pattern is, you're less likely to go super mad on the good days. Yes. <laughs> Most of the time. Most yeah. of the time. And it is such a temptation, isn't it? It's, it's such an understandable thing. And I, I think we have to have a lot of compassion towards ourselves when we do slip up and when we do think, good day, yay, let's do it. I think sometimes also we can make a choice to do a little bit too much. For me, I think it's about remembering that it's a choice and, and doing it from choice rather than from an automatic thing. Yeah, I think being, being self-aware at any time is going to be helpful, you know, as, as long as there's not judgment attached to it. If you're just aware of what's going on without, you know, beating yourself over the head for it, then it's usually a helpful thing. So tell me a little bit about the things that you have been doing since you've been chronically ill. Um, maybe a little bit about your advocacy, a little bit about your writing. Sure. Um, so as I was still searching for the diagnosis of recurring tethered cord and all these other autoimmune and chronic illnesses that some doctors were telling me were psychosomatic, others were telling me are all separate and unrelated from one another, even though they're all occurring at the same time. While doing that, while being a professional patient, while getting all my disability and retirement paperwork sorted out, as I was in doctor's office waiting rooms and testing facility waiting rooms and downtime, I was getting together my memoir and deciding, you know, there are a lot of things in my life that I've been through that could be inspirational. There are a lot that are, uh, could be seen as warning <laughs> signs for others. Um, there are some parts that, you know, people might just identify with and take comfort that they're not alone. Um, as, as one example, I developed, a, an eating disorder related to my diabetes and for a good 10 year period was really neglecting it in order to stave off weight gain. And I didn't even know there was a name for it. Uh, and it's not an official, you know, designated term by the medical community, but it's called diabulimia and, I, I had no idea, but about, if I'm getting the statistic right, about one in four women with diabetes, type one diabetes, and go through it at some point while living with it. And that just kind of really knocked my socks off that, that many of us were going through it. And of course I grew up pre-internet, uh, mostly so I didn't have any way of finding anyone else who had it. I didn't have a close friend, uh, aside from going to a diabetic summer camp until I was about 13. Uh, I didn't really have a close friend with type one diabetes. So I didn't have someone that I could say, Hey, you know, do you yeah. do this? Uh, and so when I put that in the book, there's actually a, a wonderful woman from, from the UK who reached out to me. And thanked me for including that because she had gone through it 
And she, uh, like myself, didn't have anyone to talk about it with. Now there are wonderful groups, um, Facebook groups. There are actually diabetic apps where you can have that community and discuss things that pertain to someone with your unique situation. But at that time, I, I didn't. So I felt very validated in writing that and in, in presenting the memoir. It's called Relentless from National Champion to Physically Disabled Activist. It's available on Amazon and I think maybe Barnes and Noble and Target and some other places. It was really like a labor of love because not only did it help me process the grieving of my former self and my profession as a criminal defense attorney and an advocate uh, in that sense, <laughs> it served its main and almost only goal to be there for people who could relate. Mm-hmm. And, and I am so thankful that others were able to relate to it. That is a wonderful purpose when you can share your experience to show other people that they're not alone and to help people go through what you've been going through. I think that's that's a key purpose for a lot of people, even if it's only a little, a little morsel here and there. I mean, it's fabulous that you've been able to get so much down in a book. But I think for other people who, who maybe aren't writing books, it's important to recognize that you have that purpose of being able to share with others what you've been through and that connection, that comradeship. And maybe even you'll be a little bit further down the road than the person that you're sharing with. And, and you might develop relationships where they at one point in time will be a little further down the road than you yeah. are. And then they can be a sounding board for you. I agree. I think even if it's in group counseling sessions or online or in any kind of form, if you are open enough to sharing your story, uh, there will be someone who benefits from that and takes comfort in it or takes inspiration from it. And I remember talking to my pain counselor a few years ago. And I said something about struggling with either feeling unproductive or, you know, less worthy. And she said, you've done so much to share your story with others. Why aren't you sharing all of it? You know, not that everyone needs to know every single detail, but I had trouble with my heart rate while, you know, using the facilities at an airport and it went up to 155 beats per minute. And, you know, she's like, why aren't you sharing your struggles and your fears and your worries and concerns as well as your success and your thriving? Because that's really what's probably going to mean more to someone um, than just saying, look, look at all I can do while disabled, while, while dealing with a chronic illness. They want to know that you're struggling too. Yeah. Brenny Brown talks a lot about how connection comes through vulnerability, through sharing vulnerability and and putting it out there. And that's how we really connect with people. Yeah, that's that's been my experience. And I know others have experienced the same thing. So not to you don't always have to be negative. You don't always have to 
share when you're having a down day. You can also say what things you've been doing that have been successful or, or that have brought you happiness. But instead of presenting uh, some, someone, I'm, I'm forgetting who it was. I think it was a, um, a radio host said that social media is essentially everyone's um, A side and then real life is the B sides. And, you know, it's really about not presenting this perfect, polished, filtered version of yourself, Yeah, but just being willing to being vulnerable and being open and, you know, uh, there's a poss- strong possibility people will judge you, but there's an even stronger possibility that someone will reach out to you and say, Hey, that, that changed me, that yeah. changed me for the better, that gave me the support I needed, that made me feel not alone. And that's yeah. so much more valuable. Yeah. And even if it's just one person, that's such a, an important thing to do, isn't it? But Absolutely. it could well be many, many, many many people and I hope it will be with your book I hope you have lots of lots of success with it thank you very much I feel as though this is kind of drawing to a close now is there anything else that you'd like to share yeah I think uh you know you did not ask me to do this but I would like to plug your services oh (laughs) that's that it's true I mean even just being in the group for a short period of time, it again gives you validation. It makes you feel less alone and it gives you strategies to coping and thriving and surviving with chronic illness and especially MECFS that you might not have ever thought to do and are so helpful and are so, they can be so small, but just the smallest change to your outlook or your daily patterns, daily activities can make living with this just a little bit easier. And, you know, as anyone in the community knows the you know, the more spoons you can accumulate, the better, you know, your daily quality of life is going to be. So I really, I'm so thankful that I met you, that I was part of the group and uh, for all that you do for the community. It's really invaluable. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you to say. Very true. Okay. Well, I think we'll finish there then. Before I say goodbye, I'd just like you to mention one more time the name of your book so that people can um, find it easily if they're they're listening. (laughs) So it's entitled Relentless from National Champion to Physically Disabled Activist. The probably the easiest way is just to find out through my blog, which is mm-hmm. katherineetassi.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at katherine.etassi. Facebook is author Catherine Etassi. Twitter, which I'm almost never on. I'm kind of, I've kind of taken a hiatus from social media in general yeah. <laughs> for the most part uh, is Catherine underscore Etassi. And I don't really TikTok. Fabulous. So I will share all of those. So if you're listening and haven't been able to write it down, don't worry. They'll be with the podcast details. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And it is really lovely to see you again. (laughs) You too. You too. I hope you're having a wonderful summer. 
Yeah. And you take care then. Thank you so much, Kate. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>